welcome to the Big Kids Book Club. A podcast about all things fictional, from middle grade to young adult. So sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of the Big Kids Book Club. My name is Marcus and I am your host. Joining me on the show today, we have a wonderful author of the Legends in the Sky series and the brand new Wildsmith coming out 2nd of February from UCLan. It's Liz Flanagan. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Marcus. Thanks for inviting me to talk about Wildsmith. It's lovely. Yes, Wildsmith, your brand new book that is out um, very soon at time of recording, probably out right now for those lovely listeners who are catching up with us today. But before we do dive into things, Liz, it's first time on our lovely show here. So let's get to know you a bit as an author and a person. Do you want to tell us a bit about yourself, how you maybe got into writing, maybe some of those early struggles and a bit about like how you came to where you are now? Yeah, sure. So, yeah, I didn't start writing for ages it wasn't till I was a parent and I've kind of stepped outside the nine to five and had a bit of time to write I started writing stories for my kids and it took me a long time to get published probably about 10 years of trying and two novels that never saw the light of day and towards the end of that time I was working for Arvon who are a creative writing charity and I ran one of their famous writing houses and it was so good for me to be around writers every week and just listening to those conversations so I heard that anyone could learn to write that writing is mainly rewriting and every week I heard some really good advice so over time I started to put it into practice and eventually I had an agent and then um, the first two novels didn't get published, but then the third one did. Um, That was a a YA novel. And then I jumped around writing for different age groups. I kind of did it the wrong way around. I started writing for teenagers and then wrote middle grade uh, with the Dragon Daughter Legends of the Sky series. And now this is even younger for about kind of seven, eight and upwards. Um, So, yeah, in a nutshell, that's my writing journey. I like the idea, though, of having the different sort of like uh, age ranges and sort of writing. I feel like that gives you a nice mix about like writing styles and sort of like how you have to construct your craft. Because as you said, we're talking uh, there about the the Dragon Daughter sort of Legends of the Sky. So that was the one that I first noticed when I sort of went and did some research. That's sort of really sort of the one that picked up some some heat because I feel like dragons as a subject are universally quite cool because I feel like they're in every single culture has a variant of dragons. And I feel like kids especially like younger readers dragons are just cool exactly i love going into schools and talking to children about dragons and why they love dragons and they know so much stuff about dragons and they know that thing about different cultures having stories about dragons and the way each child imagines a dragon is quite different and quite unique and I think that's one of the reasons, isn't it? Because we can project onto dragons um, whatever we want in a way. And they make stuff happen in stories because, you know, with with the flight and the flame, you know, they just are a brilliant plot device, aren't they? Absolutely. Let's use that because Wildsmith, uh, for anyone who sees the absolute gorgeous cover, will see a number of dragons dotted about the page um, there. So Wildsmith, uh, Into the Dark Forest, 
full title for book one. Do you want to tell us a little bit about its uh, sort of creation, its inception? Like, where did this book idea come from? Yeah, of course. So it was that strange, quiet summer of 2020 when um, many of us suddenly had a very empty calendar and um, I was wondering what to do next. And I don't know if you remember the daily walk of those lockdown weeks. You're allowed to go for one walk and I walk any anyway. I love walking. But in those week on that new significance and it made me realize just how important it is for me to be outside and to be outside in the woods and in wild places and I went for lots of walks with my um my eldest who was 16 at the time and she and I went for walks and talked and it just helped us so much it kind of got us through that time so it's probably no surprise that the next thing I wrote was all about wild places and their importance and that just that feeling how you feel when you're under the trees it's it's something quite special isn't it wherever you live you know whether you go to a park for that feeling or if you go into the woods um so that's how it all began yeah and it's beautiful because Rowan is the the main protagonist of the story and she's sort of she's being sort of moved about because war has come to her land so her father is staying to help with the war effort but her and her mum return to the sort of like her childhood home um where she meets a grandfather she's never seen before who lives in this deepest darkest woods um and he's sort of a a sort of a an interesting character because everyone in the nearby area respects him he has this sort of air of like importance but of course for Rowan there's no context this is a stranger but she soon starts to see what's so magical about the woods and why it is so important I think you touched upon the point there about sort of the the outdoors being important because instantly Rowan becomes almost like a protector of the forest in that sort of way and that's what I loved about the concept of Wildsmith because it's sort of to sort of bury the lead here it's almost like being a magical vet (laughs) exactly Um, and there I was drawing on my own experience of fostering animals because I'd been fostering cats and kittens um, in the time you know leading up to when I started writing Um, and every set of cats um, that came to us every cat or set of kittens was really different they all had slightly different um, issues um, some of them had really matted fur and rotten teeth and some of the kittens needed to have some medicine sometimes the kittens came with the parents sometimes they didn't um, and me and my family looked after the kittens and that meant that whatever you were doing if the cat needed the vet on a given day you had to drop everything and and t- take the kitten to the vet um, so I, I guess I was thinking what if what if you had the gift of being able to talk to these animals and tell them, you know, don't be scared. I'm here to look after you. There was one cat, I remember when she arrived in our house for the first 24 hours, she sat in the corner of the room and just looked at the corner, like with her face pressed into the corner. And soon she warmed up and she was fine. She was confident and she was healthy. And she's with a lovely, lovely family that we know. Uh, for her forever home but I wished that I could have talked to her that day and said don't worry sweetheart you're amongst friends so that's another place that the story came from this idea that it would be amazing to be able to talk to animals and find out what they were thinking and tell them they're okay with you yes and we sort of transition that from cats to dragons which to be fair I don't think there's much they're they're quite chaotic animals anyway so there's a a great transition (laughs) there 
Um, but I love the diversity within just this book of dragons because the main one we have is Leaf. It's sort of the first one we find. Um, Leaf, who is sort of saved because some poachers are attacking the mother dragon. And uh, it's really Rowan goes in and saves Leaf from these these nasty poachers too. And there's a sort of a, a conservation sort of element behind that story, I wonder. If there's a, a an element of just sort of looking at our world to transition it into a fantasy one. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think sometimes it's quite a tricky subject, isn't it, for, for children because they feel quite strongly about it. But a lot of the stories about conservation, you know, the state our world is in at the moment, they can be um, quite worrying and quite scary. So that's a lovely thing that fantasy allows, that we can talk about a subject in a way that's separate from our world and you can look at it and see the issues and have a happy ending and wrap your head around it in a way that's quite safe. So again, it probably wasn't conscious, but you're looking at it now, I can see, oh yeah, maybe that's that's what I was trying to do as well. Yes, and so that sort of element there, and then we have more dragons, because if one dragon's not enough, how about four more <laughs> dragons? And I love the fact that they all had names like uh, like Plum and stuff like that, because they're red dragons, so they got very red, red names. Um, and this is sort of a nice idea there, because obviously there is a point um later on where obviously the dragons move on i can start to see the transition of rehoming cats into the dragons here there's just such a ah you know when something clicks in that ah, it all makes sense now um but i really loved it through rowan's narrative lens and the beauty about writing for this age as well is that often these sort of books are accompanied with illustrations and my word have you won the lottery with some of these illustrations they are gorgeous by uh, joe todd stanton uh, tell me what it was like when you know you create this story and you sort of got the deal with UCLan, and then you suddenly sort of saw how much love and attention they were pouring into it as well. That's exactly how I felt. It is like winning the lottery, working with such a creative group of people. And the designer, Becky Chilcott, told me that Joe was ready to do the illustrations. And from the first time I saw Joe's roughs, I was just in love with them. I was like, wow. There's something about his artwork. It's so atmospheric, it's magical, but it's got that kind of emotion to it. You look at pictures and they just make you feel things. He's so talented and I feel really, really lucky that um, I got to collaborate with him and I got to um, see my story brought to life through Joe's amazing illustrations. I couldn't be happier. Absolutely. It's, it's, I say I looked at it and the first thing I got was a sort of Studio Ghibli sort of vibe to it, which worked so well with this sort of this idea of the story and the premise. They just like they're sort of made for each other. Yeah, actually, somebody else has said that as well. And I love those animations. Again, it's something about the emotion and the atmosphere and the love of the natural world that, yeah, definitely Joe's, Joe's artwork has that feeling too. And so anyone who's uh, interested, I, I definitely suggest you quickly go online and have a little quick nosy because the book is coming out, like I said, 2nd of February from UCLan. But it's not going to be here in isolation because it already teased in the back there that uh, City of Secrets. So Wildsmith City of Secrets, a book two, it's already on the horizon. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that, Liz? Yes. So my idea actually was that there would be four stories. There's one for every season. So um, I had this idea when I 
I'd already started writing. So we actually start with summer and then the next one is set in the autumn and Rowan is really missing her dad and she hasn't seen him in a long time because of the war. And then he turns up in the middle of the night with a Pegasus foal who's been separated from his mum and Rowan really bonds with the Pegasus because Rowan's dad has to go back to the city to keep working. So they're both missing a parent. They both know what it's like to miss a parent and they bond so strongly. And um, then the Pegasus grows really fast because that's what Pegasi do in this world. And soon um, Rowan and the Pegasus are, are flying around together and the baddies close in and um, there's only one place that Rowan can run. And, and so that's the premise of book two. My idea was that there would be a different magical creature in every story. But in one of the stories, it's Rowan who needs rescuing. So that's the general outline for the rest of the series. Oh, that's amazing, because obviously the, the idea of having the seasons, especially with a book that just runs with the sort of like the setting as sort of such a, a big dominant factor about it. you feel like you're you're out in the woods when you sort of like emerge yourself in it and sort of Rowan's getting lost and trying her best, especially in Wildsmith. So I really look forward to the idea of Pegasi as well, because I don't feel like that's often done. Like as dragons, I love the concept of dragons, but we have a lot of dragony books. Ah, but Pegasus, that's that's quite cool. Oh, great. Well, I hope you enjoy it. Um, and then there's a kind of a, a watery theme um, in, in the third book. And then in the fourth book, there's a creature that's very, very close to home because um, I've got a, a quite a challenging pet who needed a lot of training and attention. And um, she definitely gave me the idea for the creature in book four. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, finding those little nuggets of real life that you can put into them. Just like they make the the whole concept of the story just feel so alive because people will see the reality behind them. Uh, it could be a magical creature, but really animals are animals and they sort of we all we all know their strange quirks and behaviors just as much as humans have their own strange quirks and behaviors. So this is gonna be lovely. So anyone who's like listening in sort of is really captivated by the idea of the stories. So far, you've got four to look forward to. So the first one, Wildsmith, like I said, into the dark forest out 2nd of February from you, Clan. Liz, it's been fantastic to talk to, but we're always interested to know what else you're working on. We know there's three more Wildsmiths coming out, but is there anything else you want to tease us with? Um, so my other project that I'm working on at the moment is a historical novel, and it's going very slowly. I don't know yet if it's for teenagers or, in fact, for grown-ups, but there's so much research involved, so I take my hat off to any of the amazing writers out there who write historical fiction because it's a complex thing to do, isn't it? You've got your whole story that needs to make sense and then you have to keep checking, oh, was this even possible at that time? And what happened on this date? And, you know, what did people eat for breakfast at that time? And all those kinds of questions. So that's a bit of a slow burner that I've got going on in the background. Oh, so that's it. So you're busy at work, but we have got Wildsmith to look forward to. So fantastic. Well, loved it one more time. It's like I say, go check it out. Um, 2nd of February uh, from you, Clan. I don't know when this is actually coming out as far as an episode goes, but at time of recording, 2nd of February. So go check it out. Wow, we are fast approaching at the end 
of today's episode. But that does mean we are now going to jump ourselves onto the time of a competition for you lovely listeners. Yes, competition time. One of you lovely listeners is going to get your hands on a copy of Wildsmith Into the Dark Forest. How do you do that? You're going to head over to our Twitter. That's at Big Kids Book Club. All one long lovely word. And there you're going to enter our competition with the hashtag WildsmithComp. That's WildsmithComp, all one word. And we always like to put in a quizzy question because they're more fun when you do it that way. Um, so we thought, obviously, with the themes about what everything's going into with Wildsmith, uh, I had an idea about asking you, lovely listeners, what endangered animal would you really like to save? Now, I think we can all agree we'd like to save them all if we could. Um, but if you could pick one animal above all of the ones um, that you're like, oh, my God, we really need to do something and we need to save this animal. Can we do it today? Which one would you save? Um Liz, I've got my own one and I'll put myself on the spot, but I also put the authors on the spot because everyone loves being put on the spot. Is there a particular animal uh, that is endangered that you'd love to be like, oh, we really need to do something about that now? Well, do you know what? The first thing that came to mind was the story that I read the other day about giraffes um, and actually that giraffes need protection as well because their numbers are declining. Um, so I was really I was really shocked to hear that. And I hope that we can indeed save the giraffes. So it's a great competition idea. And um, yeah, thank you. Thanks for that. No, here you go. Myself, what you call it? I mean, we were just talking about cats earlier, uh, making them slightly bigger. Talking about tigers now. The fact is that tigers, especially the ones, uh, you know, if you look at sort of Siberian tigers or even just, you know, in, uh, Indian tigers, uh, their numbers, again, declining, unfortunately, being poached. Um, also, like being hunted because they're coming into as humans are expanding. We're, we're unfortunately, we're encroaching into their territory. And um, rightly so, wild animal is just trying to protect its home. So uh, I'm sure we as a listenership can f come up with hundreds of animals that need saving. We do want to hear from you. Let's raise almost a little bit of awareness so we can actually see, because I had no idea about giraffes. So we can learn a little as we enter the competition. So head over to our Twitter, at Big Kids Book Club. Wildsmith competition is the hashtag you want to use. And let us know what endangered animal you'd want to save. Sounds like we've got lots of interesting uh, answers to come our way, Liz. So we'll look forward to that one. And I'm really looked forward to this interview. I'm so glad we could get it done. But it is, unfortunately, now hitting the end of the show. So it's just about that time when I say a big thank you for joining me on the show today. Oh, thank you so much. It's been great talking to you about Wild Smith. And yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. That's not a problem. Now, Liz, before you do disappear on us, could you let our lovely listeners know how they can find out more about you and your books? Is there some social media or a website they can go to? Yeah, my website is lizflanagan.co.uk i'm on twitter at at lizzie books and i'm on instagram as well so you can find me in any of those places there you go lovely listeners and just one more time that wildsmith is out 2nd of february from you clan do check out your friendly local independent bookshop online waterstones wherever you go to get your books you'll find it there that is all the time we have for this week. So don't forget, you're going to head over to our Twitter at Big Kids Book Club to enter that fantastic competition. But you can also head there and find out about our website. That's bigkidsbookclub.com. There you'll find additional reviews, previews, and over 180 episodes of the podcast. So if you are just finding us, whew, you've got a lot to catch up on. But that is all the time for today. So until next time, all I can say is for you to take care, to stay safe, but most importantly, to keep on reading. <laughs>